Well, if you've been a Christian very long at all, or if you're considering becoming one, you know that at the center of the Christian story is a raging battle. You know that? That at the very center of the story of Jesus Christ and our continuing walk with Jesus Christ is a raging battle. That this thing we're doing is not a joke. This isn't entertainment. This isn't a, a drill. That there's a, real, there's a real battle raging all the time. It's a battle between good and evil. It's a battle between light and darkness. It's a battle between life and death. It's a battle between heaven and hell. It has eternal consequences. How we fight this battle determines the condition of our lives. It determines the condition of our lives. It determines the condition of our lives. It determines what we have going on. Whatever age you are, how you fight this battle determines the condition of your life. So, as we look at the Bible, we see that this battle has roots deeply embedded in the Old Testament before the creation of the earth, before the creation of man. This battle was raging. The Bible teaches us that Satan, who was an angel and a mighty angel, the book of Isaiah teaches us that before time began, that Satan rebelled against God and endeavored to take his place. He wanted to be God, and he was cast down out of heaven. And a third of the angels followed him. And so, the circumstance in which we live is pretty simple, is that here we are, caught in the crossfire, between a, in a battle between Satan, who is a created being, and God, who is an infinite being. And so we live in this place between, don't we? And we understand that. It's not difficult for us to understand that we, as humans, as the beloved of God, are by nature, by nature, not by anything you did, but by nature, are caught in the crossfire. And the whole gospel message is a message about Jesus Christ coming to rescue you from the bondage of Satan, rescue you from this, the agenda that the enemy has planned for you and elevate you, elevate you to a place where you take up your position as a blood-bought son or daughter of the living God, seated in the heavenly realms with Christ, and by nature of that elevation, you are elevated above Satan and now have the capacity by Jesus Christ what He did for you, the filling of the Holy Spirit, that by now you have the capacity to actually dominate Satan. Because of what Jesus did. Now before the elevation, before the salvation, before the sanctification, and all the Asian words that we love to attach to it, before the purification, 
while we were in our sins, the Bible says, Ephesians chapter 1, that we were here objects of God's wrath, caught. But because of His great mercy, the Bible says, God raised us up through Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms. Here, we have no power. Here, we are subject to the continuing domination of Satan, the Bible says, who is the prince, the ruler of this world. But the opportunity that we are being offered is not just to have our sins forgiven so that at the day that our, bo- our bodies wear out, we can go to heaven. I mean, that ain't bad, right? It's good to have that crossed off. You don't have to worry about that anymore. But the offer that's being made is that we are then elevated to a place where we are seated with Christ. It's all by His work. So we can't go getting haughty and arrogant about it, can we? In fact, as soon as we become proud about it, we lose a a place. We, We fall. The Bible says pride goes before the fall. It is in humility and by grace that we continue to cling to the cross of Jesus Christ. But you need to know that because of that, the Bible is clear that you are now elevated to the seat of Christ, next to the, next to the seat of Christ, in the heavenly realms, the Bible says, so that you now can dominate Satan by his strength, by his power, and by what he did. So this struggle that we have is this ongoing war. It is, it, as I mentioned last week, it's dualistic in nature, but it's not a true dualism. Because God and Satan are not equal opposites. They are definitely opposites, but they are definitely not equal. And the Bible says that his days are numbered, and the Bible says that his days are coming when God in the consummation of history will actually cast him down into the abyss. Cast him down into the abyss. And you know how you have felt cast down by Satan? You know how it's been that you're just getting going well in the Lord and something comes along and derails you? Do you know that? And you know what it's like to be cast down and take steps backward. Well, good news, beloved, there's a day coming when Satan's going to be cast down into the abyss forever. But we've got to know him. This whole thing I'm talking about is predicated on the fact that you know him, that you've come to the cross that this isn't a game for you either. That you've come to him and you've clung to him and you've followed him, however imperfectly, but you followed him. So the battle rages on and there is instinctively within each one of us a, a fierce desire to fight in this battle, isn't there? There is instinctively within each one of us a fierce desire to say no more. No more. To take up arms and to fight. And I think that is true particularly when it comes to defending ground. Defending space. Ground to which we feel we have some kind of a right. This is my ground. This is ground I've defined. This is ground given to me, and you're not taking it. 
Since the earliest beginnings, people have been fighting over ground, haven't they? The battle that continues to rage now between the Israel and the Palestinians over the West Bank and the Gaza Strip. I mean, they're, they're fighting over ground. Did you know that Michigan and Ohio were once in an actual war with each other? Did you know this? They were actually in a war, 1835 and 1836. It's called the Toledo War. Do you know this? This is the roots of the Michigan-Ohio State uh, uh, rivalry. It goes back to 1835 when, you know, the country was being formed and Michigan had petitioned for statehood. And so there was a dispute. The, the, the terms are clear that when you come off the bottom of Lake Erie and go due east and draw a line, that was supposed to be the southern border of Michigan. But there were some Ohio people who saw 468 square miles if you went to Michigan, you would have had this in Michigan history, but you guys went to Ohio, so you don't know history. And there was a fight, and actually militias were formed, and they, for a year they camped on both sides of the Maumee River over this thing. Uh, it was a bloodless battle, except for one farmer lost a pig. Somebody shot a pig across the... But for a year they went on with this. Michigan had a 24-year-old governor... Yeah, and uh, he said, no, we're going to war over this. And it was eventually settled, and if you look at the lower Michigan, or the, I guess it would be the upper Ohio border, <laughs> that there's a little jog in it. That's because of the Toledo War. And because Buckeyes don't know how to draw a straight line. <laughs> People have been fighting over ground forever, right? And in particular, it's really not the ground that we fight over. It's, it's the people in the ground. It's the people. These are our people. This is our space. This is our border. Stay out. You have that in you, don't you? That's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. Okay. And we continue in this battle Caught up as believers now, spirit-filled, born-again believers, we continue, the battle continues to rage. And ground zero of this battle, the, the place where the, the battle line is actually drawn, the front line, the place where we can actually see the whites of the eyeballs of the enemy if you fight hard enough, is a place called prayer. It's a place called prayer. That's a place. That's not a thing. Prayer is a place. Prayer has geography, kingdom geography attached to it. Prayer has a battle line drawn. And that's the place where we fight the enemy. This place called prayer. And the more effectively that we, we pray, the more victorious we will become. Get that. The more effectively we pray, the more victorious we become. Now, I would guess that anybody in this room, if handed a loaded weapon, could pull the trigger. But could you hit anything? So that's something you have to train to do, you know, not just physically, but mentally. You have to train to be ready to do that. In the same way, prayer, 
is something that we need to train for. It's something that we need to be equipped for. It's something that we need to give ourselves to, understanding that it's ground zero of the war that you're in. And if you're tired of losing, your answer is prayer. That's where the power is found. The better we are at praying, the better we are at defeating Satan and all of his malevolent plans for our lives and for the people we love. I mean, how many of you can envision a space where the people you love are right behind you? Can you envision that? The most important people in your life are right there with you. And how many of you can envision drawing a line and saying, no, not only do you not cross this line for me, you don't cross this line for them. Unfortunately, this is not something that many believers, especially American believers, seem to understand. And American believers are consistently robbed of many, 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 many blessings because they're chasing after other things. Some of us have been fortunate, blessed by God to travel the world and see other believers in different contexts. All of the believers that we visit around the world are so poor. They, so many of them don't know if they're going to have water. They don't know if they're going to have food. And yet, somehow, as we engage these people, we see that the joy of the Lord is their strength. We see a passion. We see a power. We see a people who go, oh, yeah, maybe I should pray for food, too after all the other battles that they fight effectively. We've seen this again and again. But Americans, we, we seem to be, we get used to being robbed. We get used to it, don't we? I had it. I mean, don't raise your hand, but how many of you in this room are saying, I had it, but I don't have it anymore. I had a passion for the Lord. I don't have it. I want it back, but I've lost it. Why would you lose that? Except for Satan, the Bible says, who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, got in and took it from you. Aren't it time you got damn mad about that and got it back? Hello? That's what we're talking about. Instead of living these lives of quiet desperation, I guess this is as good as it's going to get, and you just have to deal with this, I guess. I'm going to have to live in this weakened condition for the rest of my life. But, good news is, I'm going to heaven after this. That's the person who's living here. Yeah, you know what? You are going to heaven after this. But the invitation of the scripture is clear. Why would you want to live there when the invitation is to live here? I think it's important to realize that by the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, we outgun, outsmart, outclass, and simply out the devil altogether. I would think Americans would just get this instinctively. I mean, we have the most powerful military in the world by far. I'm not making a statement about war. I'm just using this as a simple illustration. We have by far the most powerful 
sophisticated military in the world. And so when the call to arms comes and we go, it's shock and awe. I would think by extension that we would understand that Jesus Christ conquered Satan on the cross. He conquered. That The Bible says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. And that just by the relative difference in their nature and their power, we would understand the invitation that's being made to us that says, no more by the power of Christ. Not another day. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. We'll look at verse, some verses there. We'll start in verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6. Paul is talking to his beloved Ephesian believers. He loved them so much. And he said, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That sounds all right, doesn't it? Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Did you hear what that just said? That there's something you can do where you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Physically, emotionally, mentally, the war that he rages in your mind. That there's something that can be done where you can take your stand. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. The promise here is there's something that you can do where you don't lose. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all, 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 all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Would you notice first the essential nature of our battle? This battle we fight is with Satan. It's with spiritual forces in dark realms. So how do you fight that? With spiritual forces in the realm of light. You fight that spiritually. These weapons are weapons of spiritual authority. Spiritual authority that God has given to every believer. Notice also the obvious connection between spiritual warfare and prayer. That he goes through all this. This is the nature of the fight. Put on the armor of God and pray in the Spirit on all occasions. There is no, there's no line. In there. It's a flow. It's like, I am telling you this. I am telling you to put on this armor so that you can pray. Because prayer is the battleground. Prayer is ground zero of the fight. And also notice the essential need to know how to put on and use the armor of God. He goes through these pieces. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness... The shoes of the readiness of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. 
And he says, put them on. Why? So that when the day of evil comes, when the day of evil comes, not if, when the day of evil comes, he's coming for you. He hates you because you have accepted God's offer of love. When the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand. This is a description of a believer who has moved from here to here. Now you can live the rest of your life here fully saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, and you can walk that out naked. No armor. I'd rather you didn't walk it out naked. But you can walk that out unprotected. And you can get, you're like a a ball in a pinball machine, aren't you? Boom, 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 boom. Or you can take up arms. You can take up arms, and you can put on these, these armor of God, these weapons of spiritual war, and the Bible promises you can win. You know, as we come to this point in the series, A Better Way to Pray, we just have to address this part of it because it's such an important element of effective prayer. Last week I talked with you about circle praying. And I didn't mean anything mystical by it at all. I just meant that circle praying is a way of envisioning your space. It's a way of envisioning the place that you're going to pray from. It's a way of envisioning a place where you have authority. Circle praying is the practice of envisioning a circle of spiritual influence that you consider to be yours. That God has given you a space, Sherilyn, that's yours. It's nobody else's. It's yours. It might seem small compared to all of the universe, but it's yours. And you know what? If you take up your circle of space and everybody else in the fellowship takes up their circles of space, it becomes a pretty big chunk of ground. But it's about the focus of what you are primarily called to fight for. It's a place that you consider to be yours. It is remembered directly under the fountain of God's blessing. It's a place that you can envision by faith that in that space, and it's a portable space geographically, because you can, you can cause that wherever you are. That in this space is a place that is under the direct blessing of God. Amen. And it's a place under the full influence of the cross of Jesus Christ. I put the cross in a fairly conspicuous place this morning. I don't know if you noticed. It's a circle that's under the blessing of God. And it's a circle. This is just envisioning something in your mind. In, in spirit. And it's a place that's under the full, full influence, the full dominion of the cross of Christ. That whatever's in that circle is under the blessing of God. Whatever's in that circle is under the dominion of the cross of Christ and everything that that means. And then thirdly, that whatever's in that circle is at a place that is in domination over Satan. Because of the blessing of God, because of the dominion of the cross, it automatically elevates you to a place of domination over Satan. So that's what this this circle is meant to graphically represent for you this morning. Now, once you mark that out, as I told you last week, once you mark that out and go, this is my circle, this is my squad, these are my people, these are the ones I am called by God to defend, once you, once you mark that out, then it must be defended. 
Once the ground is established, you have to defend your circle. It's not like, oh, well, good, we're good. Because this is not something that Satan will be easily willing to concede. You'll still fight. But here's the deal. You're going to fight anyway. You're going to fight anyway. My question is, do you want to fight and win or do you want to fight and lose? You're going to fight. We're in a battle. So you have to be willing to defend this, this place. And I'm mostly talking about a primary circle. This is probably more than you care to know, but I like, I sort of pray in concentric circles. I guess I got circles on the brain. But I have a primary circle. That's, that's my squad. That's my place. And then I, I, every, every day I pray out. And the next circle are the elders of the church, their wives, families, the leaders, staff of the church, certain leaders in the church. Atul, I feel I'm always praying for you for some reason. I don't know. You always make it. I don't know. It's just God says, yeah, and Atul. And so I pray for you guys. But that's like the second circle. And it's daily. And the third circle for me is always the sick. And then the ones that I know about who are in need or sick, pray for them. The fourth circle is, uh, is the fellowship in general and the church of Jesus Christ in the world. You know, I pray about stuff we're doing like parking lots and drilling wells and stuff like that. And then the last circle is the world. The world. I, I just pray for our president. I pray things that I know about going on in the world. I pray for the world. So that's my style. But what I'm talking about defending is that inner circle. I'm talking about the primary circle. That's what I'm talking about. I'm very selective about who gets into the circle. Right now there are 26 people and two ministries in the circle. It's my family and our moms. So no, you're not in the circle. You're not in my circle, Carl. Sorry. I, I love you. You're my neighbor. Uh, you frequently get into the next circle of leaders and stuff, but you're, you're, not a, you're not in the primary circle. I'll tell you why. Because it's critically important to focus that circle as God leads you to populate it so that you fiercely defend it. You can fiercely defend it. It's not that I don't care about you, Carl, but I know you got your own circle. And I know you're a warrior. And I'm not called to put everybody in the circle. Is this making sense, anybody? Of course, we're going to pray for all kinds of stuff beyond that. You can do it like I do with numbers of circle, whatever. But, you know, you're going to pray outside the circle. But I'm talking about creating a circle. How do I defend my primary circle, you ask? Go ahead. Three things. Number one, you need to know to do pro proactively do spiritual warfare for everyone, everything in your circle. Oh, God, this is hard sometimes. I'm talking about my family. You need, to, you need to proactively do spiritual warfare for everybody in your circle. Proactively. Not wait till 
somebody's on fire. But every day is spiritual warfare. Let God speak to you. It's just between you and God. Seldom do I ever talk to a family member about what I've heard in prayer. Seldom. It's just you and God. They have no idea I'm doing it. Just do spiritual warfare for everyone, everything in your circle. The two ministries that I pray for in my circle, one is Vineyard Christian Fellowship in Grove City as a, as a thing. Does that surprise you? You can probably figure out what the other one is. Cornerstone Ministries in India. The, this is what I'm called to put in my circle. And I do spiritual warfare for them all the time. Second, stay close enough to the elements of your circle to know what's going on in their lives. You see, these people that are in your circle, you've you got you to gotta have communication. You've got to invest. You've got to know what's going on so you can know how to fight for them. Right? And then, number three, this will be the hardest for some. Be willing without hesitation to sacrificially serve every person in your circle. This is so critical. That it's not just about you know, manning up and getting our swords out and chopping some demon heads off around the edge of the circle, though that's important. But it's about, it's about the most effective spiritual warfare weapon that you have, and that's service. That's rendering kind act of service to these people, sacrificially serving for them. Perhaps the most effective way to defend them from the plans and power of the enemy you see, service is Satan's kryptonite. You've got to get this. I don't know if you, if you ever thought about it this way. Service, loving acts of service, is Satan's kryptonite. He hates it. Look at what Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, verses 43 through 45. He said, you know, when you guys lead, you lord it over one another. That's how the world tries to set this thing up. He says, Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. This is the way of the world, to lord over, to dominate, to control, right? He says, not so with you. Could it be any any more clear? This is not how you're going to lead by lording it over. He says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Must be your servant. And you know, so far it's like, oh, okay, that's what you want, we'll go with your plan. And whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. But here's the, key, here's the kicker. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The disguise that Jesus was wearing when he came to rescue us was the disguise of a servant. Did he have authority? Absolutely. But his disguise was that of a servant. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Because it's the thing that Satan doesn't know how to defend. When you love the people in your circle, and some of them will drive you crazy... They will disappoint you because they, guess what? Prepare to gasp. They have minds of their own. I know. And if they would just do as you say, everything would be great, right? 
That's the wrong kind of leadership. If they would just do as you say, I commend thee. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about doing spiritual warfare, keeping the devil off their backs, and then serving them. Serving them, serving them, serving them. It's Satan's kryptonite. And it's how you defend the people in your circle. He will flee from that. So that's what I'm talking about today, guys. you got the circle idea down. It's not complicated. Cross. Blessing of God coming down on that circle. You've got this real estate in the kingdom somewhere. Dennis has his. Charlie has his. You know who's in there. If you don't ask God, who should I have in there? Be selective. Be careful. Because it's hard work. Because this is a daily endeavor. This is a constant thing. To form this circle and to pray for the people of this circle. It can take a while. And uh, I, I, I just wanted to tell you that as you do that, you're not going to make the enemy happy. You have taken ground from him effectively. You have won. You have won. Karen and I are seeing elements of victory in our family that we only could have dreamt for, only could have imagined. How did, how did that happen? Daily, consistently, praying, 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 and defending and serving the people of the circle. And you've got to do that. You've got authority. That's how you win. I've got to say it was a profound privilege to pray for so many of you this week. I would estimate that between the two services, somewhere around 300 cards were turned in. I didn't count them, but just looking at how thick they are, it was, uh, it was uh, a privilege and a blessing to pray for you, and it took a really long time. <laughs> Everything in me wanted to go, so Lord, <laughs> here's, lo, these many people. <laughs> uh, that wasn't what was in my heart to do. It wasn't the leading of the Holy Spirit. So one by one, by one, by one, I prayed for you. And it was a pleasure. And God made a way for that, for me to actually have the, I don't know, about six hours, I think it took to actually pray through the stack. It took a while. It was a blessing. And I can, I, the thing that was so overwhelmingly helpful to me as I prayed through this was, I could see trends. You know, you may think you're the only one going through this thing. But there were like five definite trends of people that if I would have, you know, been doing it scientifically, could have categorized these trends. And it was so helpful for me, not only to pray for you, but to see where the church is. You shared your hearts with me. You said, would you pray for this? This is so critically important to me. Would you pray for this? And just so many times, it's like, if I were making stacks, I could have made stacks. In one case, I had two separate prayer requests asking for me to pray that their husband would return to the Lord. And, and both of these women had the same first name. I mean, it was so helpful just to see this. I heard your heart. Oh God, would you save these lost people? 
your heart to see the people in your world that you love who aren't walking with the Lord come to a knowledge of Christ. I saw your heart to, to pray for these sick people, these people who are sick and dying. I saw your heart to, to pray for deliverance from addiction and, in some cases, physical imprisonment. I saw your hearts. I saw it. many of you men, you, you probably thought you were the only one who said, I want to be the spiritual leader of my household. I want, I want to stand up and I want to lead. I need God's help for this. And, and just these trends, it was so helpful just to be able to see that. And so I just wanted to thank you for trusting me with those prayer requests. They were so reflective of your hearts. But today what I want to do to to close is I just want to tell you that I'm looking for warriors. And by that I mean I'm looking for those who are willing to consistently pray for a select group of people and perhaps ministries as the Lord selectively fills your inner circle. And I'm looking for people who are dialing into what I've been teaching here recently and saying, boy, there's just something about that just makes a lot of sense for me. And I want to make my circle, and I'm willing, now that I've heard this, to defend it, and I'm willing to be careful enough about who goes into that circle so that there's, there's no, no need that they would ever have that I would not be willing to meet. I will serve them. I will wash their feet. I will do whatever would be required I will look for opportunities to bless them. Oh, but I'm so mad at them. I know. Take it up with Jesus. And so I'm looking for those of you who are connecting with that, those who are willing to do spiritual warfare for the people and the entities in your circle. If God says, put this ministry in your circle, you're going to war for that ministry. Those who are willing to wear and use the armor of God. Those who are willing just to say, I'm ready to be a warrior. I'm ready to capture that aspect of what it means to be a Christian. And to be a warrior and to draw circles and say, no, you don't come in here in the name of Jesus. You don't come in here. It's not a nice prayer. Every single morning, I walk around, I physically walk around my circle with my sword drawn, and I chop off the heads of encroaching demonic presence. You say, gosh, that's just weird. Oh, that's the tip of the iceberg. That's the part I'm willing to talk about. (laughs) So I'm looking for men and women and young people who are dialing into this and say, yep, Yep, that's, I feel called to this. I feel a stirring. And, and what I want to do is I want to invite you forward for a warrior's blessing. For a warrior's blessing. I want to invite you forward for a warrior's anointing. If you try this just as a good idea, he will chop your legs off. But if you come, if you receive the anointing that God has for this, He will make your legs, the Bible says, like bronze. He will strengthen your arms. He will let you see things that can't be seen. He will let you hear things that can't be heard. So if you are a person in this room 
who would like to receive that anointing, that warrior's blessing, it is 100% my belief that if you respond and come and crowd around this cross, that the Holy Spirit will pour that blessing out for you. Some of you are struggling with this thought. I'm no warrior. I'm weak. I've demonstrated weakness consistently. Perfect. In Judges chapter 6, there's a guy called Gideon. And the Midianites were coming and robbing from the people, and they were hiding from the Midianites. They were losing every battle. And the Lord came to him, and he said, O mighty warrior! And Gideon said, Mighty warrior? He said, I'm the, I'm the smallest, weakest member of the smallest clan. How could you say that? And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord said, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving no one alive. This is the imagery of what we're talking about today, that Yeah, you're weak. Welcome to the human race. Good news is that you're not doing this by your own strength. But you're saying, God, if you'll come and fill me, if you'll come and anoint me, I will fight. I will fight. Your warrior. I'll be your warrior, though I know I'm weak, I know that you have called me to be your warrior. I'll be your warrior Though I know I'm weak I know that you have called me To be your warrior So if you'll be my strength and if you'll be my shield and if you'll be my sword I'll be your warrior I'll be your warrior I'll be your warrior, Lord Jesus, for all of my days, I will walk in your ways and be your warrior. Receive the warrior's blessing. I just want you to just to envision the circle 
and envision the circle with a cross in it and envision the power of the Lord just uh, pouring down over it and envision the lives and the ministries whatever in it and uh, I want you just to stand there and draw your sword and say no more not another day you will not harm a hair on the heads of the people in my circle you will not rob me one more day I'm responding to the Lord and standing in his strength so if you'll be my strength so if you'll be my strength and if you'll be my shield and if you'll be my sword I'll be your warrior 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 I will walk in your ways and be your Holy Spirit, just fall down on these people who have come. Freely they admit their, their need. Freely we admit our weakness, Lord. Freely we admit our need to be moved from the place of being dominated by Satan to the place of your strength, your power, your spirit, your word, your wisdom, your authority to stand that we could, we could stand in the place of domination over the one you have already conquered on the cross. And so, Father, I just pray that, that the warrior's blessing, the warrior's anointing would fall. First for themselves, that they would stand and say, you will not steal one more millisecond of my life. You will not steal any joy from me. You will not steal victory from me. And I curse you, Satan, in the name of Jesus by the power of Christ. And I stand here now in defense of those who are in my circle and say, not another day. Not another day. Father, we thank you for the circle that you seem to have drawn around this fellowship this is a safe place to come and to be ourselves and I just pray in front of this circle Father and by the authority of Jesus Christ as a son of God not a begotten son but as an adopted son by the blood of the only begotten son I stand here in this circle and I say let the glory of God continue to pour out. Let the cross of Jesus Christ continue to dominate. And let this place be, be a place where Satan is dominated by your power. And I just stand at all the edges of this circle today. And I say by the authority of Christ to you, Satan, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And you do not have a hand on anybody here. Not a hair of their head will be touched. 
We love you this morning, Lord. We want to be victorious. So come and pour out your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys.